Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old-school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Welcome back, Chooms, to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl, Genesis, and with me, as always, is a dude who knows how to get into a certain wetsuit. Toasty. How you doing, buddy? I would just I would just like to clarify that Jen does not mean me getting into a wetsuit. I am not actually donning a wetsuit. <laughs> Except maybe in Night City, as I replay Judy's romance over and over and over again because i do i have a save i have a i have a save for that that quest specifically i do that too it's a strategic save file so that way you can just go back and relive the moment whenever you want to so we have a lot to talk about today so i think that we should really dive into it quick i think first i want to go over our little mini lore topic for the day and ask the question what is cyberpsychosis? Because we've talked a little bit about how you get it, but not really. And then what happens when you start to lose your humanity? So this is going to be, there's going to be so much to talk about later on this too, specifically. Um, cyberpsychosis essentially uh, is the concept of like, whenever you mod out your body, like you put so much like, cyberware into you that you start like it starts messing with your brains essentially all that like metal and electronics or whatever just kind of like start causing your brain to uh kind of not process things the same way and you eventually just start like slipping and losing pieces of yourself and i mean this can result in uh, as we see from the show and as we will talk about specifically for the first episode we talk about today Resulting in like jitters, hallucinations, kind of uh, lapses of memory, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, murderous rampages, essentially. So we do um, see like the first person that we see in this series is a cyber psycho. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. 
you lose your sense of self and everything around you due to overloading your system with cyberware because you have no organic left in you. You have no organics. The actual human fleshy bits. Or at least not enough to matter. Yeah. All right. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping up up front. Uh, Some fact clearing up. Last week, I said that it was uh, Seether that did a cover of a Michael Jackson song. I was wrong. 100% my bad. It was Saliva. Seether, Saliva, similar. Even similar sounding. Like music. Never heard of Saliva, though. I will say that. (gasps) Okay. I think you would like that. I know Seether. Never heard of Saliva. I think you would like Saliva. Uh, okay. And also, Maine isn't a dumbass. I have just never heard... <laughs> I've never heard the term cocksock instead of condom. Uh, so I, it just didn't click. So while my mental checklist before leaving the house is keys, wallet, phone, Maine's is wallet, condom, gun. I, I guess. Yeah. Well, you don't have to remember your, your phone. It's in, it's in your brain. True. So, you know, this, that leaves room. Hmm. Keys yeah. may have, like, key chips, so I guess that also you don't really need to remember. It's kind of, like, slotted in, so. Well, in that case, wouldn't you not need to remember your wallet either, because that's also a slot? It's also a chip slot? Maybe. I wonder ah. if they have, like, separate, like, you know, kind of separate little monetary things. Because I know, like... The, the concept that I was like confused about is like because they do all the transfers and stuff, but I'm like, they do have like cred chips specifically mm-hmm. that have eddies on them. Like you just have like a chip like uh, Meredith Stout gives you mm-hmm. um, if you like do that part of the the first mission. And so like it's that can't be slotted in because that's like it was actually like a sizable thing. You don't really have a port for that as opposed to like the smaller ones that they can. Uh, socket so i don't know yeah okay so i was wrong on that one too uh we have a lot to talk about tonight we're gonna try and cover three episodes and let's get into episode number six titled after the alicia keys song girl on fire from her 2012 album all right so just to put a quick summary this episode is all about Maine and, and mostly about Maine and like him dealing with his cyber psychosis. So we kind of start off with kind of left leaving right where we left off in episode five. Um, they have the guy Kiwi is deep diving into his network, essentially trying to find the information that they were hired by Faraday to find. Um, meanwhile, Maine is starting to lose it. He's, he's cybered out so much, he's getting jitters, and he's hallucinating. And Dorio's trying to like help him like keep his head straight, trying to get him to dial back on the cyberware, because it's, it's become too much at this point. But he basically goes through like uh, an episode hallucinating, and um, because it's taking too long for them to find this information, he goes in there and he absolutely beats the crap out of Kiwi. 
Mm-hmm. Like she's out of commission. Um, he even hits like her mouth up, which I guess that mask that she wears is like implanted into her face because he like hits it off. But like the inside of her face is hollow. So like she doesn't have a mouth, which is interesting. I get like a, a very re- interesting thing going on there. It um, reminded me of that uh, mission where you go meet fingers and he's adjusting that woman's jaw. Mm. Like that's what it looks. That's what Kiwi looks like. Yeah. Oh, not fingers. I hate that guy. Um. But anyways, um. So she's out of commission. So they gotta bring in Lucy. She's the other net runner to basically pick up where Kiwi wasn't able to to succeed before Maine got to her. Um. And they're obviously reticent because, um. You know, Maine, <laughs> Maine is the problem. He's the one that messed Kiwi up and he Maine tries to leave. David basically tries to check on him. But because Maine is really out of it, he's well, frankly a dick to to David. And meanwhile, Lucy is struggling because he's she doesn't want to do it because he's the, the guy there um, in there is Arasaka. You know, we'll figure out more details about that later. And, you know, David's like, all right, fine, screw it, we'll leave. And then Lucy basically got, gets him to tell her to do it. Mm-hmm. Basically, she doesn't want to do it, but she knows she has to do it. So she needs someone else to tell her to do it. So she gets David, too. And each, she goes in. Um, just her and David are there. The guy starts to wake up and tries to bribe David essentially of like, you know, I can get you up the corporate ladder. You know, you should, you should take this deal. And because of that, uh, some weird glitch out thing that he managed to do to himself, it triggers his trauma team alert. So trauma team shows up. They need to get out with the guy still preferably, but then Trauma team gets alerted to like the hostels in the building and they find out that uh, or then they call in for in in NCPD and then Max Tech and it becomes just a a total fight scene. And meanwhile, Maine is absolutely like he's losing it more and more and more as he's going through his fight, ends up killing Dorio because he's so out of it. And then David tries to save him. And Maine tells him, you know, like, you, you're not, I, I can't have you here or you can't be here for this. And David gets away as Maine basically blows up in the entire building with like an absolute fuck ton of chew two containers. <sighs> so it's that rough. was it, uh, very rough. So that was a very shortened breakdown of exactly what happens in the episode but so much emotion goes into so many of those scenes you know like you said the episode starts off with you know Maine having a hallucination and Maine is seeing himself I don't know if it's a younger version of him or if it's what he would look like today if he had never gotten cyber so it's very interesting to see yeah and it's hard to tell. I think it's I think it's supposed to be like a younger version, but I don't know. Maybe a day that he like tried to get out and then realized he couldn't or something. And 
went back and that's when he started making changes to himself. Yeah. So it's like it's like he's at the end of because he's it, it, it's also just like kind of like that symbolic thing of like because he's in that like hallucination, he's running to the end of the road. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. this episode, he comes to the end of the road for himself. Oh. So uh, Jen, you got a couple notes in here for things that you really liked in the episode. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to say that my favorite line actually appears quite a few times in different variations. And you even touched on it for a moment. My favorite line is Lucy saying, David, tell me I can do it. I need to hear you say it, please. And it's such an emotional bearing of the soul. It's like, I know I can do it. But hearing you say that I can do it will actually give me the courage needed to go deep diving in the net. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, right before this, we, like, when she's telling Dario, no, we see that her hand is shaking. Like, and it's like actually shaking. It's not like cyberpsychosis jitters. It's like shaking from fear mm-hmm. from something that is scaring her. Something about Arasaka or the guy in that room. It, she's she's worried about that but she knows you know she knows she has to do it so she needs david to tell her to do it yeah okay so after we after david tells her that she can do it and that he believes in her there is a funny little line uh that i wanted to point out lucy tells david to grow a chrome spine because now he's the one freaking out about the job. He's not sure if he can handle it. And so we know that he already physically has a chromed out spine. Has a chrome spine. It's already there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny line. Later, after Lucy has been net running and shit hits the fan, they run, David runs Lucy out to the car because Maine tells him, you need to go get the car ready. Oh, because we're getting out of here. Lucy and David argue about going back to help Maine and Dario. And we know that he is going to go back when he says, aren't you going to say you believe in me too? And it breaks my heart. And then while he's struggling to half blur, half physically run up the stairs, he keeps telling himself, please tell me I can do this. Tell me I can do this. Tell me I can do this. And it calls back to his mom saying, I believe in you. I know you can do this. One day, you'll make it to the top of Arasaka Tower. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's also like his is he's taking after. And this is like something that uh, I want to talk about more in depth just on these kinds of things, um, which I guess I guess now is a good point, good times any. Um, but I've been watching a lot of like kind of like video essays about the show and like listening to podcasts and stuff where they like review it and talk about things. And one of the things I thought was a real like interesting concept, uh, which I think is honestly just a hundred percent true is the idea that Maine does this to himself 
because if we hearken back to episode three, when he says nothing, it's it's not wrong if it makes you stronger uh, for yourself or for your team. And so he chromes himself out so much because Maine's like the thing in his mind is that he needs to protect his team at all costs and that he's willing to sacrifice himself, his mind and his body in order to keep them safe at all costs, which granted it ends up turning on him, you know, like because he does that, it eventually causes him to then harm his team. But, and it's like a similar, and it goes to the similar concept of like, you know, David is looking after Maine. We see this David and Maine's relationship. I like, you know, we don't really know anything about David's father. Mm-mm. They don't tell us anything, but like, he's definitely spent this time looking up to Maine as a mentor father figure. Maine has very much had like that same role for David of like, you know, teaching him the ropes, making sure that he knows how to protect himself, even like, teasing him some and stuff like like what a father would do to a son and so like we've seen this relationship and it's obvious that David's going to take after Maine and like the same ideas of like protecting his team and you know so he's sacrificing himself here because he wants to keep Maine and Dario safe yeah and, and he Dario- does that every episode he uses the Sandy overuses it because He's trying to keep people safe. Last episode, he uses it to keep Lucy and Dario, like the distract the robots to keep Lucy and Dario safe enough to shut down the drones. Mm-hmm. He uses it to get away in like the car and make sure that the job gets done. He uses it countless times in episode four to save Rebecca in the middle of like being in trouble. Like he's using his Sandy, overusing it to keep the team safe. He's going down the same path. Because to him, protecting the people around him is the most important thing. It's not about his life anymore. What is his He wasn't able to protect his mom. Yeah. I'm sure that has, that, that pushed him over that, that hill there. Okay. When David reaches Maine and sees all of the destruction, he is drenched in sweat. His nose is bleeding from overusing the Sandy again, but he stands his ground. And he tells Maine he will help take on Max Tech. And he holds his gun out and it is shaking. He holds it for several beats in the episode, just going, yelling over and over again, like, I'm here to help. I'll get you out of this. And Maine puts his massive hand over the gun and says... You can't do it. Go. Fast is what you do best. Ugh. And that's where it comes into that I think David David believes this is his second biggest failure, is not being able to save Maine. It just breaks my heart. And how well those little, just like their, their lines, their little pieces of dialogue that thread throughout the whole episode of... You know, I need I need your support. I need you to tell me that I can do this. Your faith in me is what is going to get me through this. And then at the end, Maine saying, you can't do this yet. You can't do it now. It's poor David. Poor David. Yep. And 
I mean, this the like a this is the kind of the same thing. Like again, hearkening back to that of you know, it's not it's not wrong to if it makes you stronger for yourself or your team. And you know, he wasn't he wasn't at that point where he could save his team in this situation. And the only reason, I mean, the only reason he makes it out of this when pain blows up all of those containers is because he has the Sandy because he can go fast. And even then we see him at the very end, he's charred. Like he's like, he's, he barely got out of that explosion. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And it's like just another like small detail of these things of like showing us because this is frankly, this is like where the series turned for me like we kind of know throughout what we're watching of like what you know the concept the themes where the story is going but like all of the other ones are very like even though they have bad moments or like you know moments that are like sad or uh very serious so like episode five with with talking with um kurosaki um but this here there was no like other than grow a chrome spine. There's no levity in this episode. Mm-mm. It's like, and maybe like the, the music blaring in the car. Yeah. Like those are the, those are the two moments. Those are like the fraction of a second things that give us like a moment of being like <laughs> in the entire, like serious dark tone of this episode. But it was a really sweet another... moment too. Okay. The sweet moment where David makes a trip back into the building to grab a blanket for Lucy because she'd been net running, so she's naked, and he throws her in the car and then runs back and gets a blanket for her. I was like, "Aw, he loves her." It's just like one of those sweet little boyfriend touching things. Mm. And uh, one one thing, another like last kind of thing I want to talk about because we did talk about like cyberpsychosis and what Maine's kind of reasoning for doing all this stuff. But the moments we see of like not being completely gone Mm -hmm. because obviously Maine's losing it the whole time. Dorio dies trying to get a final immunoblocker in him to bring him back down. And then he realizes what he's done, this like, you know, that he killed her, which, you know, they don't show us a whole lot. But I mean, they were together. They were in a relationship, presumably in love. And so, you know, finding out that you did that, like or in the fact that you killed all of these people around you because he wakes up and he says, did I do this? He was so far gone, he didn't realize what he was doing. And then. It's kind of like it only lasts that like fraction of a second, really, because then he just starts going uh, and just absolutely brutally murdering all of the NCPD, like using Tanaka's body as a weapon. And so and it even shows like the just that like shift of the way they did things, covering him like the red of like the blood like you he in the way he was like walking like sideways down the hall 
the lumbering, they really like switched the way it showed of like, you know, him being himself and then him tipping that edge yeah, into full cyber psychosis. But even then David brings him back for a little bit. Just that emotional connection that he has to David mm-hmm. brings him back for just like a moment long enough to like tell David that he needs to get out of there. Cause Maine knows that he's not getting out of it. Like Maine is going to die. He even said at one point, I can't run anymore. The Reaper has my name or something along those lines. And it's just for him to have the moment of clarity at the end, knowing that David is going to get out of there. And that's where like that symbolism of like his hallucination comes in where he was running from the Reaper. He was running from his end, trying to be fast enough to get away from this thing that was destined to happen to him. And realizing that he, it didn't matter how fast he went, he was still going to reach the end of the road. In, like, which in his hallucination, he stops at the end of that road. Do you think that's why he wanted the Sandeva stand for himself? Was because he wanted to be able to run faster than his problems? Yeah, I think so. Stupid anime is going to make me cry all over again. <laughs> <laughs> It's already made uh, us cry. It's it's fine. It's already made us cry. But yeah, so shall we go to a mid break, Jin, before we actually do? Yeah. Uh I agree. We need to take a mid break to digest all of that and roll some hit dice in order to recover the emotional damage points we've taken so far. Okay. I'm going to dry off the tears and thank all of our 14 Amazeball patrons. Seriously, huge shout outs. You guys are amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the support. Major loves. And uh, we got a new review in from Australia, dude. That's cool. <laughs> right? Um, hey, all right. Yeah, uh, it reads great. Oh, game was awesome. Edge Runners anime was brilliant. Five stars. Left to us uh, by Robbie Fitz AU via Apple Podcasts in Australia. Uh, I need more from this universe. Don't listen to the haters and the trolls. This is my favorite franchise right now. Thanks for giving us a podcast. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for giving us a review. Yeah. Uh, and if you would like your reviews read out on this show, please go ahead and uh, follow us on iTunes, leaving a five-star rating there. Uh, you can also do it on Audible. Audible leaves, you can write word reviews there. Or you can leave it in the Discord saying, hey, I loved the show. Here's what I think about it. We'll read those out too. Why not? <laughs> you can join our Discord at robotsradio.net and find the links to it in there. Or you can join us here on our live stream every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. And that is twitch.tv slash cyberpunk lorecast. Got anything you want to add to our little mid-break? I don't think so, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's get back into it. 
All right, we are coming back to episode seven. And it is titled after the Kanye West song, Stronger, from his 2007 album, Graduation. I looked at the lyrics, and I also think that some of Britney Spears' Stronger would have also fit. But Kanye's music and style is a little bit more cyberpunk than Britney. Yeah, I mean, I love my Britney, but the music video is badass, but I don't think that the... The song really fits cyberpunk all that well. I remember if I've heard that song. Probably. Oh, yeah. Because I'm stronger than yesterday. Now it's nothing but my way. My and that's all we can do. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Don't get us the MCA, please. We're not monetized. We're not monetized on Twitch, so we can't get to. Do... Oh, thank God. Oh, yep. oh, thank God. Okay. Okay. You can help us get okay, monetized, we'll though, by following us at twitch.tv slash cyberpunklorecast. Yeah, I set that one up. I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So anyways, uh, as for uh, a summary of this episode, this one's not as in-depth as the last one. Thank God. We need a, kind of a little bit of a break. It's not going to last long, but we need like a little bit. So starts off them all going on a job. We got David, Becca, Kiwi, Falco, um, who we like saw Falco in the last episode, but he wasn't talking yet. I think he like grunts. I don't think he says anything. I think he grunts. No, um, he also but... punches Maine in the face and knocks him out, which was shocking. Yeah, yeah. But he grunts as he does that. Yeah. But other than that, we haven't like really heard from him yet. Uh, and then like this new um, this new rookie solo who's working for Wakako. And really wanted to hook up with David. Um, And we see that David is cybered out. He has. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 got everything. He's got Maine's arms now, which in which I didn't mention last episode. The last thing we see is uh, David gets in the car. He's all scorched up. He's got Maine's arm and they like drive off and he sheds a tear. But now he's got those. He's installed them. He's installed a whole lot of other stuff. And it looks like he's kind of like a well-known, well-established edge runner now. Um, He's got his whole crew, people wanting to work with him. Um, And, you know, I I would just like to state a small little fact here. Small little fact here. Um, You know, because, like, I watched this in the dubbed. It's it's like it's set in California. Like it, I know people, a lot of people, snobby about like animes and watching subbed overdubbed, which like sh- like I I get that I do that. But this this is set in California. I think the dubbed is fine. It kind of makes more sense, and I was also happy with it because Falco was voiced by Matt Mercer, and I was very happy. About it. I always get excited when I hear because I can recognize his voice from at, at any point. So. It was it was super cool. He sounds just like good old Cassidy in Overwatch too. He was playing that like that like cowboy accent. But anyways, they go do a job, wipe out like a whole slew of Maelstrom, and we get to see more of David's like enhancements. He got like like fancy jumping feet now, <clears throat> which I think uh, probably pretty similar to the ones we can get in twenty seventy seven. So. Uh, might have been the same model, but I didn't I miss it. And um, they finished that up pretty easily. Then they go hang out, 
party a little bit. David's like, you know, I got to get out of here. Stop by the Ripper docks. Um, and we see this shot during the Ripper Dock scene of like, there's nothing Gannick left. <laughs> like, except maybe his skin, but honestly, I don't even think it is. His legs were not. Like, from like the knees down, they were like plastic looking or like, I don't know, maybe that real, I, I know real skin coating is like a thing, but they like, I mean, his feet weren't even feet. They were like bouncing pads or something. Like, he doesn't even have regular feet anymore. So he's all cybered out. Um, and he's asking for more. Um, and even the Ripper Doc says that he's he's never seen a kid get quite this borged out, specifically using the term Borg, which is significant. And then he heads home, see that Lucy's like kind of doing net running stuff, uh, and then proceed all of the nudity for the next two episodes. <laughs> they just they don't wear clothes anymore. No, nope. apparently. Um, cause Lucy's like fully naked. He's fully naked. They don't care. They got a fancy new apartment, like on like the penthouse looking, it kind of looks like, I, I don't know. I haven't been in it enough. It kind of looks like the, kind of like the, the so, mayor's office or the dude running for mayor in 2077, that same guy. This looks like his house sort of like with the way it's set up, like very high building windows kind of thing. Um, instead I think the mayor's is like fancier, and then they're talking a little bit. He's trying to like buy her things like, you know, new net running chair, like net running bodysuit. She's like, no. And then she tells him, let's get out of the city for a bit. And they go sit out in the Badlands under the stars, which they can see because they're far enough out away from the light pollution. And they're kind of like talking and David starts pushing to kind of like know more about her because they, we see this. They're living together. They like have like a life together, but like she's not working in the group anymore. She's she's decided not to do that. And like he's apparently she hasn't even like he hasn't even learned that much about her. And we find out that she was a trained Arasaka agent from very young trained to be a net runner by them. Uh, and because of that, she's one of the best net runners out there. Because she was part of a very select elite group. I am so sorry. I was looking up the information. What the uh, hell? I was so confused. An ad started playing on the website that I'm on because it, it describes the exact location of their um, David and Lucy's apartment. It is a specific one. Is it just uh, like the Corpo one? Right. You cannot access this apartment unless you complete the game to reach to reach the specific ending that allows V to return with Pan Am to Night City. Oh, it's that one. Okay, yeah. so like the the legendary fixer of Night City thing, like whatever you Okay. Yeah. That's I've never done that ending, so I don't I'm not as familiar. I've seen videos, but haven't seen it like super up close, but that makes sense. I actually, yeah, I can kind of click that together. But yeah, so find out she's elite netrunner uh, trained. And then she um, basically they trained, finished their training. And Arasaka just like put them underground and just made them go into the net every single day into the old net that passed the black wall. 
and having to fight like uh Rash Bartmoss's like rabbits virus essentially trying to look and they're trying to look for data from the old net uh that they can use because that's kind of like what every major netrunner wants to do is get behind the beyond the black wall and see what's there um and a lot of people died because of it because those demons that are on that side fry your brain instantly and they are super strong and so they all kind of the ones that were left banded together and ran and it's giving us the impression that she's the only one that made it out. Mm-hmm. And she woke up night city and joined up with the group essentially. Yeah. So we get to find out a lot about Lucy um, and kind of where she came from and how she joined the squad. Um, that's all at the end of the episode. I do have a couple little tidbits to throw in, sprinkle in throughout your summary. I think the funniest line that I heard was from Becca, of course, my girl, when David says that he's going to go back to the Ripper Dock. Uh, she yells at him and says, stay here dancing uh, or tell him that you need to get the laser pop hip grind dance chip installed. And I'm like, that is so Becca to ask for that. The laser pop hip grind. I think we can find out what kind of dancing that is quite easily. And then I also wanted to point out that since he got Maine's rocket launcher arm gun thingy installed, he now is carrying two pieces of gear from known psychos. Yeah. That's not good. I don't know. It's rough. I don't know if you've ever heard the theory that if you get like a uh, a transplant from another human that sometimes, you know, it's like the horror story. My hand is doing things I don't want it to do. Uh, yeah. Are there imprints on mechanics? I think you're asking a very 2077 question right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imprints on mechanics. Hmm. Okay, well, hold on. Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. I don't think it's to the same degree, but I mean, it there it it is possible. Yeah. Mm, I mean, we have I mean, it's sort of a sense of like knowing that there's built-in brain dance recording software on the Sandevistan. There's mm-hmm. imprint like recordings of like what Norris had done. Yeah. It's just kind of an imprint. Um, oh, you also uh, kind of glossed over the fact that now David is got a new job from Faraday. So Faraday is back in the picture. Right. Right. He's back in the picture. He's hiring David to do. Uh, he's still trying to get the information that he was trying to get from Tanaka. Um, and he needs uh, a really good netrunner for that. And he heard that there was an incredibly good netrunner team. That wasn't Kiwi. Um, and so David tries to dance around it a little bit because Lucy doesn't want to jump back into the game yet. So he's trying to like kind of play it off or say like, you know, I'll I'll see. I'll see what we can do or something. Because I had the question of is being part of Faraday's crew creepy eye requirement? Because the dude that had the honeycomb eyes, he freaked me out. Uh, they kind of all freak me out because they're not even like 
they don't even have like they don't do anything through the duration like it's like he's just there like that guy literally does nothing even so like the point like even up to episode 10 he does nothing but he's always there with faraday i have a comment on something that he is used for but we will get there when we get there i'll have to remember yeah, to i know sure exactly what you're talking about but even then he doesn't do anything <laughs> no he's just he's just the shell no, for... oh no i wasn't even talking about that there's something that happens later uh we'll oh, sidebar okay. on Maybe that after this yeah. Oh, okay. While he was outside of the city with Lucy, we hear him laugh. And it felt so good because it sounded like the old David. The old David was laughing. Or I guess the young David because it his whole demeanor has changed. He's now switched to I'm leader, I am badass, and even like his voice has gotten a little bit lower and the ca- the cadence is now a little bit slower and more thought out. And then when he's with Lucy, just the two of them outside of the city, he laughs. Yeah. It's, I mean, I can definitely relate to that same kind of like, even just playing the game of like, it's there's so much going on inside the city. So to like go out into like the Badlands area. I mean, I think a lot of people can agree just like that. The most home feeling that anyone gets playing 2077 is with like the Elder Caldos mm-hmm. being outside the city and like being in like, you know, that group, that family, yeah. like, you know, it's to get away from night city. And that's like kind of the, the goal for a lot of people. I mean, look how many characters in either the show or the game. We see that want to leave Pan M regardless of the ending you choose will always leave Judy, regardless of the ending you choose will always leave or maybe worse, depending on certain choices. Yes. Um, it could be worse, but like she still leaves. They like there's so many people leave, get out. Yeah. So because it's like a prison, a cage of lights, which was my favorite Lucy line for the episode. <sighs> yep. 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 It's uh, it's like they're basically saying that it's like a pretty cage. It's mm-hmm. a cage that a lot of people choose to be in but it's still caged nonetheless yep and then my last little line in here is oh lucy you got some splaining to do did yeah, you tell so, me what lucy does at the end yeah so the end of the episode we kind of get um i can't remember specifically who's talking i think it's we're starting to look at those two individuals who i don't know if we ever learned their names um the the character that looks like they need to be a Pokemon gym leader um, and uh, her sidekick. Um, it's team basically Rocket. just she does. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think uh, she looks like commander. She looks like a, yeah, she looks like commander Mars from team galactic and like mm. the fourth generation. Um, but anyways, they're kind of talking about like some weird stuff going on with like they've like tagged the signature of this net runner 
who got into Tanaka. Um, and then kind of are getting confirmation. And then we just see Lucy absolutely fried, dude. Uh, who is basically shown to be a, like an Arasaka Netrunner. Um, he find, she finds him, fries his brain, and he is dead. Uh, and they even do like the creepy like eye thing, like red eyes at the end. Mm-hmm. The, okay. <laughs> I got a little worried for that because I was like, is she like, like, I don't think she's cybered out that much to be like doing that. But find out that there's a bit more behind that. Yeah. Okay. And now another sad one. Um, episode eight is titled after. Huh? Yeah, not sad, Jin. This, this, the rest of them are sad. The rest of them are sad. This was our break that we got. Was episode seven. We don't get another one. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but specifically, like with the song title for the episode is "Stay" by Rihanna uh, from her 2013 album "Unapologetic." In the right mood, eh, oh, this song alone can make me cry. Let alone thinking about the episodes. Ugh. Yeah. So this one, uh, man, uh, we get a bit more into uh, the start of it where we kind of see these two individuals talking. They're Arasaka. Um, and then this lady like comes into the room to just splattered brain and head matter all over the place. Um, and David is like huddled on the floor, like freaking out. Uh, and then she like makes a noise and he turns the gun on her and puts a bullet in her as well. And we see that his eyes are like, his eyes are like glowing. It's, it definitely makes it look a little bit more, but he's like on the phone specifically. He's on the phone. Um, and that detail is there. This is very important for a reason. We get intro then it shows uh, David rejoining the group. Apparently there was like a breakdown in communication, which was not the case. Uh, we see essentially the idea is that the cyberpsychosis is starting to hit him. He's starting to hallucinate, lose time, stuff like that. It's bad. And we see this as we go like through the, the episode of like seeing David like being just at home not sleeping, which is probably another symptom. It's generally uh, insomnia, symptom of neurodivergencies. Um, and then kind of just like zoning himself out. We see that his hand is starting to shake the same hand mm-hmm. specifically. Is this one's rough, dude. Um, Jeez. Um, and then oh, I'm sorry. No, like I just, it's just hard to like now that I'm thinking of we watched we me and Jen watched an emotional like a music video before this specifically about the show, so I was like, fuck. Um basically he's losing it. Lucy's kind of doing the same thing of trying to get him to like tone it back, but like he's himself around her, which I think is uh both like kind of heartening but also heartbreaking of like whenever she comes around he kind of snaps out of his funk um and then one night she you know she wakes up he's kind of zoned out he's staring at his mom's ashes and the picture of them and then he just straight collapses 
So she takes him to the Ripper Dock. And Ripper Dock's, you know, telling him, hey, you have too much. Uh, you need to you need to tone it back. And but like David starts hallucinating. He looks like the Ripper. It makes the Ripper Dock look like a spider. Like all like the the like the lights on his like glasses and stuff are all lit up like a spider. His hands doing weird like his his mechanical hand is like wiggling yeah. across him, which is like terrifying. Uh, and David just slams him up against the wall and tells him like you know just give me the medicine. I'm fine. Basically deny. There's that denial. Same thing we saw with Maine. We're just seeing a mirror of all the Maine's of you know i'm fine just give me i just need the medicine that's all i need lucy wakes up she's fallen asleep in the chair uh because she's so damn tired (laughs) and sees that or this is happening manages to pull david back to himself and the ripper doc gives him the strongest like military grade immunoblockers they got and tells him you know like this is this is nine days worth the strongest shit you can get. But once that's done, you're done. There's no coming back if you go down this route. And it's like even heartbreaking to see because like this, this Ripper Doc's been an asshole the entire time. Like, like and, and it's granted, he's profiting off of this kid who's making him money, um, which, you know, in the setting like Night City, who's not going to do that. Like, you know, David's made him so much money, especially once he decided to Borg, Borg out, essentially. But like, even then he sees like he, he's even the Ripper doc is sad to see it. And like, even like the line, like another turn for the next dreamer. But and then we talk about and you're kind of the expert on this. So do you want to talk about the fight? Mm, the fight between Lucy and David. Yeah. Mm. You're the romance expert here. That doesn't make me the relationship argument expert. <laughs> I try to avoid those. Um, I'm just saying you have to, you have to take an opinion on their fight. Yeah. But the argument that we see David, you know, he switches back to his a little bit of normal David because he's having personal one-on-one interaction with Lucy. But and he asks her, hey, have you thought about coming back onto the team? And she says, no, I need more time. Now, we know that she needs more time because she's out there killing Netrunners, but she hasn't told David any of that. So there's a huge secret wall between them. Yeah. And... David takes that as you don't want to come back to the team. You don't want to come back to me. Does that mean we should go our separate ways? And he specifically says one thing of like, like he asks her, he says, because you don't trust me. And like, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's so many different opinions about what's the most important thing in a relationship. Like what's the most important thing between two people that love each other. And regardless of like, what answer you choose in a situation, you better damn well put communication and honesty near the top of those lists. And right now, they're not really vibing on either of those. Like, they're not communicating 
or she's not communicating to him why, um, like why she won't come back to the team. She mm-hmm. won't tell him about the reason. He's not communicating really why it's so important that he goes down this path either. Yeah. Because he's just saying, don't tell the team. Like, you know, I, I, I freaked out. Don't tell the team about it. He's not telling her, like, you know, I have to do this to keep them safe. Like, it, so they're not talking about it. And they're that because they haven't been truthful with one another, too. So, yeah. No. So they. They're hiding big secrets from each other. And it definitely takes the toll. Um, keeping something like that from your significant other, keeping something like that from your friends, your teammate, the people who depend on you. It's not good. It's not good. I mean, we we even see, like, I mean, he says, don't tell the team. Honestly, you should probably tell the team. Because, like, look what happened. Maine didn't tell the team. And he ended up hurting members of his team because of it. Uh, and so, like, but, yeah, uh, David says, like, do we need to go our separate ways? And Lucy really doesn't want that. She, like, she's, like, she has, like, a, like, visceral response to that but oh, yeah. the moment that she goes to actually kind of like open up she gets like i guess she's kind of like tapped into the net or something at this place she gets like a ping of someone's location mm-hmm. what are the net runners she's going after so she runs off yeah she says we'll um, talk about this when i get home and, and that's like the worst way to end an argument we'll talk about this yeah. later yeah and she runs off and unfortunately she's not going to make it home because that net runner that she was going after was a trap set by Faraday who throughout this episode, which I forgot to mention, uh, basically Militex given him the shaft and he was attacked by, by people. He asked for more protection. They said, you haven't been giving us the results that you promised. So no, once you get that shit to get your shit together, then we'll rediscuss the terms of this agreement. And Faraday, instead of, you know, saying like, oh, you know, that's fair. I haven't held up my bargain because he hasn't held up his side of the bargain. Um, he said he throws essentially a fit and goes running to Militech's number one rival, Arasaka to try and get his foot in that door. Um, and part of that agreement is that uh, they need someone to test out a thing that they still haven't quite told us about. Um, and they want the net runner back, uh, the net runner that has been causing them so many problems. And so he sets up this trap for Lucy, gets Lucy. And we see who helped him with this trap. Oh, uh, freaking Kiwi, are you kidding me? She is even the one who said it. She's said it at least twice throughout the series ahead of time. Never trust a soul in Night City. And now we know why. Because she's a backstabbing little biatch. Yep. I mean, uh, even to be fair, like Maine said at episode three, don't rely on anyone. Just like yourself. That's all you can rely on. Kiwi has taken that to heart. Oh, so mad. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so let's end on a lighter tone. We now have gone through, it looks like David and Lucy are going to break up, and Lucy gets fucking kidnapped by Faraday and Kiwi. So on a lighter note, uh, I loved when they, so throughout, at the beginning of the episode, they're doing more gigs, more jobs, um, and they're talking, David is hooking up with a lot of different fixers in Night City. And we know a lot of them. I think uh, we saw Wakako a few episodes ago. We saw. I don't think we saw her, but we did talk to her. He did call oh, right. her uh, to let her know that his, that her rookie solo got killed by a bomb. Yeah. Because he was too um, eager. Julio. I don't know why I can remember his name, but nobody else is apparently. <laughs> um Regina, we saw Regina. Uh, oh shit! I did not notice that. Mm-hmm. She was one of the fixers that he talks to. Okay. Oh, and then there was one other one, name blanking. Anyways, uh, there was oh the diner that Faraday and the that guy were talking at the t- the Jesse the James of the Team Rocket duo. <laughs> yeah. Was that the same diner? that uh you and takamura eat at i believe so it's either that diner or the one that you and river eat at because there's like two diners i'm trying to remember specifically i think it i think it might be the one that you and river eat at okay i mean they look kind of similar so it could be yeah 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 it's hard to remember because like i think it shows out the window but there's not open space on the Takamura one because, like, there's windows, but, like, it goes out right onto, like, clustered street. Like, it's yeah. kind of, like, wedged in between buildings. But the the one you go out with River, the windows point out over, not the marina, but, like, over the water. Mm-hmm. Which is actually, like, clear space where you can see, you know, the sky. Those were my only lighthearted things for this episode. Yeah, because it's not lighthearted. <laughs> I know. I tried. I tried. And it only gets worse. Are you ready? Are you ready for nine and ten, Jen? No. No, I am not. <laughs> Me neither. Don't worry about it. Me neither. But I so totally am too. They were so good. And I hope that you join us next week when we talk about them in all of their fantastic glory. Episode 9 and 10 we will cover next week as well as our overall review for the series and some things that we think need to be called out. There's a couple of parts that we didn't like. And mm-hmm. like I think I want to get into some good like philosophical questions. Like go into the what ifs or yeah go into the what ifs so where you can find us on the internet we have already talked about joining the discord but you can also follow us on twitter at cyberpunk lore and of course you can also find me in my other show hosted between me and Ravada. it's two girls one ship where we analyze rate and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. Including the cyberpunk ones. Uh, and I uh, am also the host of the Witcher Lorecast, uh, also on the Robots Radio Network. You could follow uh, that over there uh, and follow that Twitter at uh, Witcher Lorecast. 
And of course, a shout out to the amazing Miracle of Sound, whose music we use for all of the intro, mid-break, and outro now. Uh, so go check them out on YouTube for playlists for all your favorite video games. Uh, some that I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Resident Evil. He does a lot of songs about Resident Evil. Yeah. <laughs> there is a song that lives rent-free in my brain called Wiggle Sticks. You hear it once and it never leaves. So Toast right. is going to go listen to that right after this episode. But as always, stay safe at Night City. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.